You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts. Pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Thursday, February 2nd of 2023, our first show of February, shortest month of the year, but don't worry, we won't shortchange, do all the new show each and every week, which we've been doing since June, and before we turn the page over to February, start a new chapter here on our journey together, the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. By the way, as you heard in the open, my name is Alex Streamer, and you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, you know the drill by now. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. Uh, January was by far our most downloaded month ever, topping December, which was also our most downloaded month, which topped November which was, you guessed it, our most downloaded month. So we are on a great trajectory. Thank you so much for your listenership, your support. It's pretty damn cool that this humble little show is uh, catching on. So that's great stuff. And I have a big show for you coming up today, start on, starting off February with a bang, with our two favorite topics, really. Tom Brady and his broadcasting future, and Tony Romo and what the hell is wrong with him. And then after that, I'll get to my conversation with the newest member of our Odyssey slash WEI family, Adam Jones, who started in Afternoons this week. Uh, Adam's a great guy, and we had a really great conversation about his jump over to EI, his uh, philosophy, whether or not he's too negative, and uh, a lot of the stuff in between. So excited to get to my conversation with Adam as well. But as I said, we're starting off with Brady and Romo, tried and true topics, never can fail when you can talk about these guys. And Tom Brady gave us a gift on Wednesday morning, announcing his retirement, this time for good. And this time, yes, I believe him. And this is really the way that it always should have happened. This is the right way for Brady to walk away. Last year's faux retirement, or faux retirement, as I should say, was just a complete mess from the start. And that was, you know, before He came back 40-some-odd days later. Uh, Remember, Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington had the report over the weekend. I think it was a Saturday. It was a big snowstorm here in Boston that Brady would retire. And then for the next 72 hours, Tom Brady and his camp basically gaslighted Schefter and Darlington. Denials, denials, denials. Tom Brady Sr. was speaking out and saying that this was just some sort of crazy internet rumor. And then sure enough, That Tuesday, Tom Brady did announce he was retiring, and as I said, he returned 40 days later, and it was just so uncharacteristic. I mean, Brady is so disciplined, you know, one of the most disciplined athletes, if not the most disciplined athletes of all time. You do not win seven Super Bowls without discipline, and his 
faux-tirement and the announcement and everything surrounding it last year was just so chaotic and it was so unlike him. And it was a harbinger of things to come because the 2022 season was not like Brady. You had his marital issues with Giselle all over the tabloids. He got divorced. Uh, He didn't seem like he was fully invested in the team, missing all that time during training camp. We found out a couple days ago that he lost about 15 pounds due to his marital strife with Giselle, um, missing the team's walkthrough before their week six loss to Mitch Trubisky in the Steelers because he wanted to sleep in after attending Robert Kraft's wedding in New York. I mean, Brady flies private, New York to Pittsburgh, eh, really a pretty easy trip. I mean, he could have even slept there Friday night and flew down to Pittsburgh for the walkthrough Saturday morning. But no, he missed the thing entirely, laying into teammates, uh, that embarrassing loss to the Cowboys in the playoffs, red zone pick, dirty slide tackle attempt. That game was never even competitive. It was Tom Brady's most embarrassing year professionally, and it all started off with that botched and ridiculous and very un-Brady-like faux-tirement announcement And I thought last week, we talked about it on the show, I said, oh no, is this starting again with this cheesy script with Jim Gray? Oh, I'm not effing talking about it. If I wanted to, it's like, oh God, are we really going to do this again? But thankfully, we're not. Look, Tom Brady could have played next season if he wanted to. There would have been teams interested despite his struggles on the field. The Raiders would have been interested probably. The Titans were thrown around. The 49ers falling short in yet another NFC Championship. Maybe they would have wanted to make a run at Brady, bring him home, one last Super Bowl run. But this is really the best for Brady uh, because at this point, the risk of him playing outweighs the reward. I don't think he did any everlasting damage to his legacy last season, but what if the 2023 season was rough for him as well? Then you would maybe start talking about it, and then Brady would have been on his third team. I mean, look, he had the best second act in NFL history and probably sports history, right? This was not Willie Mays with the Mets. This was not, uh, you know, Joe Montana with the Chiefs, Brett Favre with the Jets or the Vikings, and I know that Minnesota went to an NFC championship with Favre and ended with that interception, of course. You know, Johnny Unitas to the Chargers. Go on down the line of legends with embarrassing second acts. This was the greatest second act in NFL history. Brady wins the Super Bowl his first year in Tampa Bay. His second season, he leads the league in passing, finishes second in MVP voting, and almost brings the Buccaneers back to the NFC championship with an epic comeback against the Rams in a divisional round. Uh, there was no need for Brady to keep playing into his age 46 season, seven Super Bowls, eight Super Bowls, not much of a difference. I think Brady realized that, yeah, football is a brutal game and he may be doing more damage to his legacy than helping his legacy if he continued to play. So I think it's the right move. I think Brady did it the right way. It's surprising for sure because nobody was whispering about this, but That's usually how it happens, right? The big trades, the big free agent signings, the big news, it happens out of the blue. And that's what happened here with Tom Brady. A nice 53-second video posted to social media. No frills, came from the heart, and it's done. No tour, no prolonged farewell. That's the best thing. So Brady, it took him a year, but he finally got the whole retirement thing right. And now the question is, what does he do next? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is he going to follow through with his $375 million deal with Fox? We know already that Fox does not plan to feature Brady in the Super Bowl booth, which I now think is the right move. I've come around on that over the last couple weeks. Greg Olson has done a terrific job this postseason and sticking Brady in there with Olsen and Kevin Burkhart, three-man booth for the first time, that wouldn't be a service to anybody. I still think Brady has to be involved in Fox's Super Bowl coverage in some way. I mean, this is presumably why they paid $375 million for Tom Brady, so he could be around for big events like this, and I mean, it will be Brady's First public appearance since his retirement announcement. I mean, people are going to watch the Super Bowl anyway, obviously, but that would that is what's worth $375 million to Fox. So not going to be in the booth. I'm fine with that. I've come around on that. But I still say Brady in some way has to be part of Fox's Super Bowl coverage or else what the hell are they paying him for? And, you know, the question is, will Brady be good in the booth? Uh, well, first of all, let me talk about Greg Olson, right? Who I said has been excellent this postseason. He was great again during Eagles 49ers. Uh, he studies, he prepares, the anti-Romo in a lot of ways. But let's not feel too bad for Greg Olson, all right? Let's not start out the pity party. Too much for him. He's earning $10 million this season as Fox's number one guy. Next year, I read, as their number two guy, it would go down to $3 million annually. But that's still pretty damn good. And Greg Olson's a young guy. He's still in his 30s. He has a long career ahead of him. And he said this in a couple of interviews that, you know, he never played quarterback. He never played in New York or for the Cowboys. So the fact that he's even in this prominent analyst role is a huge upset. It's really a huge underdog story. And I think Olson is is positioning himself to maybe be the next Chris Collinsworth. And Chris Collinsworth got to where he is Sunday night football because of his preparation, because of his insight. And yeah, he's been around for so many years now. People pick at him. But overall, I think Collinsworth is still regarded as one of the best analysts going today. And there's little doubt that he watches a lot of film. And you can say the same thing about Greg Olson. So I am holding off on the Greg Olson pity party. But it will be interesting, especially because of how good Olsen was this year. If Brady does fall through with his Fox commitment, how good will he be in the booth? And it really comes down to one thing. Will Brady prepare for the job and take it seriously? On one hand, you say yes, because Tom Brady prepares for everything. And if Tom Brady is going to have a front-facing role like this, you better believe that his ego won't allow him to do anything but put 110% effort into it. And if that's the case, I think it could be great. A you know, a critical Tom Brady, a prepared Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, breaking down the games each and every Sunday. I mean, that would really be something special. But on the other hand, 
Brady's non-football endeavors haven't exactly gone great. TB12 has not caught on, and Brady is beyond obsessed and beyond dedicated to his fitness and lifestyle regimen. I mean, it's still there on Boylston Street here in Boston, but I don't know of anybody going to it. And I'm a gay man. I'm friends with a lot of wealthy gays who live in the South End and around the city. And otherwise, that's the demo for TB12 Fitness, and nobody goes to it. I don't think it's catching on at all. It's way too expensive. The TB12 roller pins. I mean, this stuff is really kind of a joke now. And the Brady brand that was released last year to such fanfare, it's now in the bargain bin. I haven't heard of anybody buying that stuff. It's not, you know, it's not like ye, uh, Kanye's clothing line or, I mean, it, it's nothing like that. It's not relevant at all culturally. Um, you know, 80 for Brady, it looks like a terrible movie. His Man in the Arena doc was a 10-part Lesson in self-aggrandizement. The Facebook series a few years ago wasn't much better. So, I mean, his non-football endeavors have not exactly gone great. And then there's the personality aspect to it, right? I mean, Brady can be as well-prepared as he wants, and that would certainly help him. But does he even have the personality, the the, the affability to be a number one analyst worth $37.5 million annually? We'll see. We'll see. There are a lot of questions with Tom Brady. Uh, A very risky deal for Fox. And hopefully, Fox is hoping, I'm sure, that they don't wind up having buyer's remorse. Like CBS may have now a Tony Romo. Tony Romo inked that 10-year, $180 million deal back in 2020. And his final broadcast of the season, Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship, exposed all of his flaws. Romo was awful in that game as he was awful for the bulk of the season and the playoffs in particular. Uh, And as I said, his final broadcast Sunday encapsulated all of his shortcomings, shouting at the viewer, inane analysis, struggling to make sense. Each week during the playoffs, he truly reached a new low. I mean, and and you you just contrast Romo's performance this past Sunday with how good he was during that 2019 AFC Championship between the Patriots and Chiefs when he was predicting every Tom Brady throw before it happened. Edelman, Gronk, Romo was way ahead of the Chiefs. It was the apex of his broadcasting career. And now you couple that with his performance four years later, it's it's hard to believe it's even the same guy. I mean, Romo no longer predicts plays. He no longer offers analysis. He no longer even really, as I said, makes sense when he speaks. Instead, he matches each big play with a malpropism or loud noises. I mean, the wizard is still wizardry. What was that? Uh, you know, he almost said the N-word on Sunday, and you can look that up on Twitter and see what I'm talking about. The Chiefs running back, Isaiah Pacheco, caught a swing pass from Patrick Mahomes, broke through from three Bengals defenders, and Romo almost said it. He almost said it. Almost said it. A rare moment of restraint saved his broadcasting career, and we just get yelling, oh my gosh, wow, huge play. I mean, here's what Romo said after Joe Burrow threw a huge interception midway through the fourth quarter. Quote, game-changing, game-saving, season, everything is on the line. You need people to do stuff. What? You need people to do stuff? That's absolutely incredible analysis there by Tony Romo. Doesn't let the moment speak for itself at all. Uh, It's just, he stomps all over the action. He ruins the viewing experience. And, 
I mean, and it's also apparent that never mind that Romo clearly doesn't watch film, but he doesn't even seem to pay attention to the pregame chatter. I mean, heading into the AFC Championship, the Bengals were talking a lot because of their success in Kansas City, and they called Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead because of Joe Burrow's success winning in Kansas City, including in last year's AFC title game. So, after Harrison Butker nailed the game-winning field goal, Travis Kelsey raced onto the field and said, Burrowhead my ass. And what does Romo say? He says, it's not Burrowland, it's Arrowhead. Like, oh, wow, nothing gets past this guy. I mean, he's not even paying the slightest attention to the pregame chatter. And I said on the show last week, I'll say it again this week, I think the biggest problem with Romo is when he first stepped into the booth in 2017, he was so recently removed from his playing days that he had firsthand knowledge of the coaches, the players, the schemes. Now, the further he gets away from his playing career, he loses a lot of that firsthand insight. So in order to stay sharp, he has to study. And he's clearly not studying. So instead, we get, wow, oh my gosh, what a huge play. And, uh, well, it's not working. And Andrew Marshan in the New York Post reported this week on his podcast that CBS executives talked to Romo about this last year. Clearly, he didn't listen. I think there's something up with him and Jim Nance as well. Nance is not helping his partner out. Maybe that stems from some jealousy that Nance had a few years ago, and Romo was getting all this praise. I think Nance's people were pushing back behind the scenes saying, "Eh, wait a minute, you know, Jim Nance is making Romo, not the other way around. So, and we know that these sports broadcasters, these high-profile play-by-play guys, are the most sensitive people around. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Jim Nance looks at Romo now and says, oh yeah, everybody gave you all the credit when you were humming earlier in your career. Well, now that you're struggling, I'm not helping you out. You're getting paid $18 million annually. You're supposed to be the greatest analyst in TV. So you can figure that out. It would not surprise me in the least if that's Jim Nance's attitude. I mean, he still, still, after calling the AFC Championship, goes down on the field and presents the trophy, the Lamar Hunt trophy to players, coaches. I mean, why doesn't Tracy Wolfson do that? Evan Washburn. I mean, why does Jim Nance do that? Because he needs... The attention, he, you know, cutting down the net, you know, March is March Madness moment. Jim Nance needs that. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he looks at Romo now and says, oh yeah, everybody gave you all the credit when things were going great. Now they're not so going so great and I'm not here to save you. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's Nance's mentality and we'll see. I mean, Romo is by far the most polarizing sports analyst going today and, uh, It should only get more interesting as the months progress. And we'll see if there's any more crumbs that come out of CBS in terms of Romo and a lot of the views that people have of him internally there. So there you go. Brady and Romo, tried and true. But coming up on the other side, as I mentioned, uh, you'll hear my conversation with the newest host on WEI, Adam Jones. I talked to him about his big career move, whether he's too negative, uh, Differences between hosting nights and afternoons, and so much more. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I was saying the opening. One of our newest members here at the WEI Odyssey family, Adam Jones. Adam, how are you? I'm doing well, Alex. How are you? 
I am doing great. It's good to have you here, as I was saying earlier. Um, so yeah, I mean, a big day for us off the start. Let me let me start with this, because I'm starting to wonder it myself in terms of writing. And that Brady has retired, like, what the hell are we going to do now? Like, how are we going to fill time when we need time to fill if he's not going to be around every day? You know what? It's a good question, because I was looking at it the opposite of you. I'm like, great, we have a good story for today. For Check today. off the box for today. But right, you're thinking... You're thinking longer term. You're playing yes. the longer game. That's I not am. a strength of us uh, us radio people. We're like, whatever's <laughs> out there today, we're all over and, and we'll go with. No, I mean, look, I, I'm shocked Shocked he's retiring. I'm a little disappointed in him. Honestly, yeah. I said this when he retired last year, uh, you know, fake retired last year. If you're going to wait until you suck to retire, he doesn't suck. The Bucks sucked last year. I would get why he'd want to leave Tampa. Yeah. But he doesn't suck. I'm a little disappointed that he would go out and leave another year or two where he could contend for a Super Bowl and play at a high level. I'm a little disappointed in that. I'm stunned. I, I, maybe he was tied to Sean Payton. Maybe Payton going to Denver was an indication that Brady wasn't going to come back the second he went to the Broncos. Maybe that ruled out Miami and them teaming up somewhere and going somewhere at the same time. But I really thought he'd be playing this year. I think he should be playing this year. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little let down. Yeah, I think this year was really embarrassing for him in a number of ways. And I think maybe he felt that. Like, I'm like you. I'm shocked he's retiring today. But uh, I don't know. Maybe if I look at how embarrassing this year is for him, maybe he figured, like, this is you hurting mean, my reputation. You mean personally or on I the think field? personally and professionally, it was embarrassing yeah. for him all around. I mean, the divorce stuff, how he played, uh, he kind of became a laughing stock at times. That playoff game was terrible. I mean, that yeah. that was, in terms of on the field stuff, like, I still think he's fine. You know, I still think with... Uh, a better team around him and and he might need to lean on a team more than he used to, but with a better team around him, he's still more than capable of winning a Super Bowl, I think. Yeah. But that playoff game was a hard watch. Yeah. That's true. One thing I will say though about Brady is I do think in retirement, he'll be much weirder than he even has been in the last couple <laughs> of years. I really, <laughs> that's I think- hard, That's I, hard to do, but he maybe, yeah. It's going to get really strange, I think. <laughs> so he may actually give us even more content not playing. Uh, well, well, we already we already got the movie to look forward to. Oh, great! Yeah, have you are you running out to see that or what? Uh, no, I I can see myself seeing really? it at some point in time. I don't know that I'm going to pay money to see it, but I'll, I'll I'll probably watch it. I'm sure. I may I may have to write a review. So you obviously had a really long and successful run at 98.5. Um, what prompted you to come over here? Well, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, number one, I, I do like the opportunity who I'm working with. Um, I, I didn't know Mego very well before I started working with her, but I've always liked what I've heard. I like what I saw from her on Quick Slants, and so I'm excited to work with her. I know Christian very well. I actually know a lot of people at 98 uh, or from 98.5 at WEEI. You know, I know Gresh. I know Billy Lanny. I know Rich Keefe. I know Wiggy. You know, I'm sure I'm leaving out other names that I'm forgetting. Uh, Chris Curtis. So like there's a there's yeah. a lot of people I know there that I've worked with in the past, you know, whether it's it's bosses like Mike Thomas, people that I'm comfortable with, people that I know. And honestly, beyond all that and all that stuff is true. I had done 10 years at night and, you know, my kids going to be going to school next year. It's a good uh, life work balance, which I know yeah. a lot of people, uh, you know, probably overuse, but it'll be a good life work balance yeah. to be home at night for the first time in 10 years and, and be able to yeah. do dinners at home. And it's a new challenge. I, I I would like to, you know, be in a more prominent day part and, you know, try to, um, you know, carve out a, a niche there and, you know, try to be successful there. I think we did a good thing at night for 10 years, but 
nights are nights. And yeah. I, I honestly was ready for something different. And and I I hold no animosity, by the way, to, to 98.5. I think people wonder that and ask that. I get why you're not going to get rid of Fred or Rich or right. Wallach or Beetle or Zoe or Hardy or Felger or Maz or Big Jim. Like, I, I get that there are, you know, limited opportunities. And, you know, I just felt that when the time was right, it was it was worth uh, taking a shot. And I, I feel pretty good about the shot. Yeah. And I mean, to do nights, like this business is a labor of love, but you really have to love it. Like my roster on DEI, I did a lot of nights. I wasn't hosting every night, but I mean, that's not the easiest shift and you really have to love it. You miss out on a lot of social events. Uh, really, your life truly revolves around your show. And I mean, that's the case, I guess, anyway. But, you know, so it's it's not we're not made to necessarily be nocturnal as people. No. And then, look, there were things I did like about it. I mean, you know, I had all day to get ready, like pre right. kid. I had all day to get ready for the show. Like there was nothing else going on. I could really like pour a lot into work. I could, you know. Uh, for as as minimal shape as I could get myself into, I could like you know go for a run. I was playing basketball twice a week. Like you know, I, there there was stuff I liked about it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you know, it it, it is it is challenging in its own way, uh, as you said, just uh, in your personal life. And I, I think even more than that, like it's not like the personal life stuff was draining on me. It was a, a side piece to all of it. I, I just do think professionally it. Totally. It was ready to do something different. And, and, and you know, there were things I started to hate about what was going on with that night show, too. They they got rid of Arcand. You know, it went from a two-host, two-producer show right. to a one-host and one-producer show. Right. And, you know, I loved working with Jeremy Conley. He was great. He was doing a lot of stuff for one person. And right. it was hard to lean on him as another voice and put him in that spot. You know, so there there were other aspects to it, too, where I just said, you know, this is yeah. an opportunity that I don't want to miss. I don't want to not, right. uh, you know, get the opportunity and be kicking myself. So I, I took yeah. the shot. Yeah. And on that note, so you're working obviously with two people now, Megan and, and Arcand. Uh, so that's different than Knight. But beyond that, is there anything else about your approach that you think you want to change or will change from going from nights to afternoon in terms of topics or, you know, all that stuff? So, I mean, look, I think some of that stuff is organic. You know, I think who you work with, sometimes certain topics present themselves. You know, I think we're still, um, you know, me and Megan are still working on like what is a good topic for us. You know, right. I mean, it's yeah. like I, I know what I wanted to hammer away at at night. But if there's certain style of topics, whether it's, you know, hardcore sports or fun with sports or stuff outside of sports, you know, whatever that would be where do we kind of find a groove and what works well as debate points and stuff between us? And, and not that you want to manu manufacture any debate. You know how it works, Alex. I, I don't want to manufacture anything, no. but I do want to focus on topics where, you know, we don't necessarily just agree and repeat each other. You know, you want to find stuff where there's friction or there's disagreement or there's debate. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we want to find. So I think we're trying to find it. Um, if you're asking stylistically, uh, there's not much I plan on changing. I mean, I, I guess that's another thing we'll find out organically. You know, I've uh, I've been criticized for being overly negative or, you know, overly uh, sky is falling, which is probably a fair criticism. Um, but that's the approach that that I take. I, I don't personally see that changing until there's a need to change it. Is it Dong Report? 
making its way to the, the day. Dong report. I think we're retiring the Dong report. Okay. Right. Uh, there yeah. are afternoon baseball games, though. So maybe, you know, after Kastig wraps up the call, we could always uh, work. Maybe they could make it a part of the Red Sox broadcast. I don't know. I was going to get to the negativity point. So uh, good on you for leading me there. Um, do you think you're looking? Do you think you're looking for more negativity than the average fan or even media person? Oh, and it's not, and it's, probably. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, no, I would say I am. I mean, I, I, look, I I said this in the first show, and the first show was was honestly a bit of a blur, more so than I expected, just because you know it's a new studio and all the stupid technical stuff that I wasn't ready for. Um, but I said this in the first show, like I do view myself as an equal opportunity ripper. And so uh, am I overly negative? Sure. Do I lean into it more than than most people? Probably. But I do think, and I, I honestly believe this, that the more you listen, the more you're going to go, oh, he's not taking this out personally on my team or my favorite player. This is his approach. And if you listen, I will rip the opponent. I will rip the coach. I will rip the referee. I will rip your favorite team. I'll rip your favorite player. And I just think, you know, as long as that's consistent, the more people hear that, the more they realize that that is just the the approach. It's not a personal thing. And I think, you know, the more you you hear that, the more you begin to uh, appreciate it or at least be in on the joke. Because honestly, a lot of it is, you know, it's not it's not me being negative just for the sake of being negative. A lot of time it's to prove a point and there's humor in it. And, right. and I think the more people understand it and the more people listen, I think the more they they grow to appreciate it. If, if they give it that much of a chance, which yeah. is the hope. And I'm sorry, just in general, people who are ripping others are more interesting to listen to generally than people who say everything's great. Like, would you rather talk to someone who goes, oh, I had a fabulous day. Or someone who goes, oh, my day <laughs> sucked. Here's like what's generally a more entertaining conversation. I yeah, think. I mean, look, I I know, I guess there's like a journalistic aspect to this job. I'm not a journalist. I've never pretended to be a journalist. I didn't go to school for journalism. I don't have the chops for it. And it's not my job. My job is to be entertaining and, right. and people people might disagree that I am and that's fine. But my job is to be entertaining. And right, I think, you know, that tends to be more entertaining than, I mean, hey, the Patriots are going to be okay and there's nothing wrong. And they were almost a playoff team last year and they almost beat Cincinnati and, and everything's fine. Like that, that to me, I mean, maybe that's a little more rational, sane way of walking around the planet. Um, but rational and sane isn't always entertaining and, and the job is to entertain. Yeah, rational and sane in radio don't really mix, as you know. <laughs> no, um, no, they don't. And, 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 but, I do, but I do think it's interesting that like in, today, in today's world, with all these podcasts, like people don't, there's so much of an echo chamber now, and this goes well beyond sports. And like, if you listen to any popular podcast, whether it's a sports podcast, politics, whatever, you rarely have two hosts who disagree. It really is just a lot of nice, genial conversation, a lot of agreement. And, you know, radio, I still think goes the other way because I think it's such a different medium than podcasting. Like, I mean, you've heard the stat, the average person listens, what, like 10, 12 minutes, something oh, like that. Probably not even. Yeah. Probably not even like my approach always is, was like, you know, I want to catch them. They're in the car. I want to catch them. I want to rile them up about something. And I think it's just, I think it's just different than podcasts, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I, I'll be, I'll be honest, and I'm not like anti-podcast. I just, I, it's not something that I, uh, you know, uh, consume a, a ton of. I, I consume a couple, and you know, it's not like I'm sampling around, uh, you know, uh, taking in a lot. I, and I wouldn't consider myself an expert on whether most of them agree or, or disagree. Yeah. But no, I, I do think they're different, and I, I still think. 
there's something about radio and I'm biased and, and look, you know, uh, I'm sure newspaper writers say this about newspapers, that there's there's a different quality to it. Newspapers are obviously, you know, on the way out. Uh, radio may be behind it for all I know. But there is something about radio being live and local and immediate. And like, you know, this Tom Brady story today is a great example. And not that I'm on the air right now as it's breaking, but you're in your car and you hear the breaking news and it's Tom Brady's retiring and you get the, the the video clip right then and there. That's a lot different than already knowing the news and seeking out a podcast. It's immediate reaction. You know how people feel in the moment. You know how you feel in the moment. And maybe it's not an impossible thing to replicate, but that's a hard thing to replicate. And, you know, I still think that's the biggest difference between the two, but maybe some of it is, you know, the interplay and and who is yeah. working with whom as well. I'll say that that's one thing that I've already been impressed with, with Mego. And I, 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 again, I didn't know her very well. I had met her, I think once before I got the job, we played in a, a media basketball game together and I had seen her work and heard her work, but I had never met her before. I didn't know her. I mean, she already in two days, you know, stands up for opinions and fights back. And, you know, I've already been kind of impressed in that where it's like, okay, it's not just, Oh yeah. Well, good point Jones. Or, Oh yeah. yeah, You know, I didn't really think about it that way. It's like, there's been, you know, some pushback, which I, I personally appreciate because I, I have no problem arguing and doubling down on points and going back and forth. And and it seems like she already has an appetite for that, which I like. Oh yeah, definitely. It's great when you can disagree obviously on the air and it doesn't carry over to the break like that. No. And, and I mean, look, you know, and, and I've, I've been there too, like that, it's it's uh what what people like to call uh, in the wrestling world working punches and yeah, this is yeah. how it's been there's a lot of wrestling dorks in in radio so I, i'm not a big there's wrestling an guy. yes yes but uh but that's how it's been explained to me I, it's i'm always throwing working punches and yeah. you know it's not it's not personal i'm but we can laugh about stuff in the break for the most part i'm not saying every single blow up ever um but that that i think is important because when it's going off the air it's going to a bad place totally and you can tell instantly like i remember my first show ever with jerry and kirk like within a few minutes i was like wow like these guys want me to disagree with them like yeah. and you can tell easily when people are open to that and it just makes for a much a much better show yeah yeah, yeah right there are certain hosts where you know you get off the air and they're like whether they say it or not you're like i can't believe you just disagreed with what i had to say you're trying to make me look like an idiot and it's like no, i'm not trying to make you look like an idiot and I'm not, you know, fighting with you because I don't like you. I'm just, I'm trying to make a point and be entertaining. And, and that's really it. Uh, I want to close with this question, kind of more of a, a larger point, if you will. Um, how do you think, if you were to look back at you when you started doing nights full time, you know, 10 years ago, uh, yes. what have you? A young um, what do you think are some of the biggest ways that you've changed as a host between now and then? Well, I do. So a couple of things. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, Fred Toucher or Kirk Minahan or somebody who is, you know, openly sharing a lot about their personal life. And that's a lot about their style. I do think I'm, I'm much more comfortable doing that now, you know, talking about things that, that happened to me or in my life. And maybe some of that is, you know, being married and having a kid. Maybe some of that is just being comfortable on the air. Um, but I do think that's something that's changed a lot. I used to be very guarded with that sort of stuff for, for whatever reason. And I, yeah. I don't I don't know why that was. Um, maybe it was a, you know, a need to stick to the topics of the day, or I felt like an obligation to just, you know, right. stick with sports and talk about sports, yeah. or it might've just been, you know, just being guarded to, to not want to open up whatever it was. I think that's something that's changed, you know, quite a bit over the years. I do think, you know, striving into, you know, more obvious areas of humor is, is another thing I've done too. You know, I'm much more comfortable doing bits or songs and trying stuff like that, where again, you know, I would, 
I would try to make a witty joke or, or something like that on the air, but like pre-produced or thinking about stuff that maybe goes to a little more obvious humor area and, and adding a little more production and fun to the show. I mean, I think that's more stuff that I've tried to do. Uh, I've tried to do. I, I think the opinions have, have for the most part always been there. I think the edge for the most part has always been there, but I think, you know, some of those other elements have, have helped to, add to the show. I could still get out of sports more. I mean, I, I acknowledge that. I could still get outside of the world of sports more than I do. Um, but but those are probably a few areas where it's uh, it's grown or at least changed over the years. Absolutely. Well, we'll be listening. Adam, thanks for the time. This was great. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alex.